few years ago, I picked up a book. Um, many of y'all will know the author's name, Warren Bennis. wrote a book uh, on leadership, and I read it as a book on leadership and thought that that's what it was going to be about, uh, how to strategically take, char- uh, take charge of, uh, of, your, of your job, your business, your life, whatever it may be, and, and uh, dove into it and came across a study that totally unexpected. There's a study found looking at what was the common, what were the common denominators that that uh, that that made up successful leaders in in companies. What was it that took a company from uh, um, from uh, from from startup to to success? What was it? And it's different things for different for different companies. In fact, they they actually studied businesses and companies across the board. They studied entertainment. They they studied uh, politicians. They studied sports figures. They looked across the, all the spectrums. Of what is it that made you successful? And they could find nothing. No common grounds. There was not an education experience. There was not uh, there was not um, personality experiences. Uh, there was. There was nothing out there except for one thing. And that one thing they weren't even expecting for, weren't weren't even looking for, it was the fact that every one of these 90 company CEOs that they had studied, every one of them was still married to their first wife. They found that actually, in short, that those who are sometimes the most successful on the job are actually have found out how to be successful in the home. And I have found that it's quite difficult for some people to be successful in both places. They might be really, really, really successful over here on the job and they may really, really, really get promotions and accolades and they, they may be uh, on the sports teams or whatever, but, but when it comes to the home life, it's not as successful. And, it's, and it's, it's been intimidating. And I can tell you right now, having a successful home life is not easy. It's going to be something that you and I and every one of us will have to work at. Uh, Stu Weber, who is a former Green Beret uh, turned pastor, and what, what a contrast that, that, that is there. But he, he, he makes this statement. He said, getting married is easy. Staying married is difficult. Staying married happily is a fine art. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands uh, if your uh, is a fine art or not. But, uh, you know, what, what is your marriage? Is it one of those that uh, you're proud and you want to put in a trophy case and show off and you take care of it and it's something that's beautiful? Uh, or what is it? Even, uh, even old Siggy Freud, Uncle Siggy said it like this. Despite my 30 years of research into the feminine soul, I have not yet been able to answer the question, what does a woman want? Any man in the room who can identify with Uncle Siggy, raise your hand. This is a judgment-free zone, okay? So you will not be in trouble when you get home, right? I raised my hand. Well, actually, um, we're really glad that you guys are trying to figure that out because if we were to be honest, we would like for you to tell us if you figure it out because sometimes it's we like don't a combination that want. changes so, every day. It's a secret code. It's we're not even sure how to access it all the time. Even so. I think the, I think Peter had a hard time with this and all the instructions in in First Peter when he's instructing uh, the the husbands and wives and how they are to live together. He had one very specific thing for the husbands in First Peter chapter three verse seven. He says, "Likewise, husbands." Live with your wives in an understanding way. So even with Peter, how do you live with your wife in an understanding way? The reality is that living with someone in an understanding way is incredibly difficult and complicated when you have so many differences that are between you. 
when Mike and I started dating, he called me up one day and said, hey, I need a white shirt. Do you want to go shopping with me? And I thought, well, yeah. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, the guy I'm dating, he like wants to go shopping. And so he comes, he picks me up. We go to the store. We walk into the first store. I pick up a shirt and look at it. And it's his size. You know, do you like the shirt? How about this one? He looks at it. Yeah, that's great. Immediately goes to the checkout counter. That's good. And I'm thinking, this is so wrong. This is not how, and I even said to him, don't you want to like look around at other shirts? No. Don't you want to try it on? No. Don't you want to, don't you want to go to another store and see what they have? No. You know, what he had done is he'd gone in and like hunted and conquered it. And I'm thinking, and killed it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm thinking, you don't, you don't get it. Shopping is an art. (laughs) You know, you like go in, you have to like scope things out, compare the fabrics, look at the prices, go to their store, see what they've got. Look at the fabrics, compare the prices. And at the end of it all, you may or may not buy a shirt that's shopping. And that's what that looks like. If you can't buy a shirt, you're a loser. We're not going to dwell in a very understanding way publicly if we keep this up. Okay. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32 says this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then Paul says, this mystery is profound. And if you're married in the room, you know that this is a mystery because you've thrown yourself on the couch or you've thrown yourself across the bed and you have thought, I cannot figure him out or I cannot solve the puzzle of her, right? Um, we're going to look at some pictures here really quick. I think that will give you just, you know, in image what this kind of thing looks like. And so this is hers. This is his. This is hers. This is his. Mm-hmm. This is hers. You know where I'm going. <laughs> this is his. Yes. Absolutely, right? absolutely. I think everyone needs to memorize at least a portion of a verse this week, and that is Ephesians five thirty-two. The mystery is profound. And every time you, you can't figure her out because her combination has changed, then just say the mystery is profound. The mystery is profound. And just keep saying it to yourself. In a kind way. In, in a kind way. You're, you're a profound mystery, I'm trying to. Listen, being happily married is not going to happen automatically. I haven't done very many weddings. Actually, I did one wedding one time that I would say that they weren't happily at the altar, so it was a mess. But anyway, uh, other than that, everyone that I've ever performed a ceremony with, they are like goo-goo eyes looking at each other, and they're loving each other. That's great at the altar, and that's great on the honeymoon, but whether or not it's going to stay that way, that's going to be up to you. That's going to be up to blood, sweat, and tears. That's going to be up to a lot of prayer. That's going to take a lot of work. We have realized this as as Grace Point has has looked at Northwest Arkansas, has been in existence for 15 years. We want to help you. We have done everything and as many things as we can, and we're going to continue to do them, to help you get better at this relationship thing. Uh, And hopefully, if you're already good at the relationship marriage thing, you'll just get better at it. And that's what we want to help with. In fact, for several years, we've had different speakers come in. Uh, you might recognize some of these names and some of the people. Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. We had him here. He was our very first one. How many of y'all have ever read Five Love Languages? Raise your hand. Good. You need to know your love language. You need to know your spouse's love language. And the key is you've got to become bilingual. Okay? You've got to learn to know yours and you've got to learn to speak 
hers or opposite if you're uh, the opposite gender, obviously. Parenting, Kevin Lehman's got a couple of great <laughs> books out there. Conflict resolution, we had Gary Oliver come over and speak about that. Singles and how to, how to f- search well for your mate. And then how to have a sacred marriage by Gary Thomas. We had him two years back to back. So we've had a lot of great speakers come in. And, and I tell you, when you bring them in, it's just kind of like, it's like all of us going on a bus and going to a conference together. So this is what we, what we try to do at least once a year, kind of pull aside. We've already got 2017s already scheduled and out there, but, but let me tell you about what's happening next week. Next weekend on Friday and Saturday night, we're going to have absolutely the expert on the blended family. Uh, come in and speak to us. I grew up in a blended home. I know about them very well. And uh, Ron Deal will be here, and he is the real deal, no pun intended, uh, that he is the one who is the expert on it. So if you know of anybody who's in a blended family, or if you're out of a relationship and one of these days you might get back into another relationship, this is for you. All this information is online, but I'm just telling you. But there, here's the cool thing. We've never done this before. Actually, it's, it's a kind of two-for-one deal, okay, where we're actually having then on Sunday and Sunday night a, a, a special emphasis on passionate sexuality. Yes, I said that word in church. And let me just say this. That is not a dirty word. I know that parents right now, if you're with teenagers, I'm going to be PG-13. I'll promise you that. I won't go anything worse than that. But it will be PG-13. Let me just say this, that this needs to be a conversation piece. And if I do anything today but start a conversation for you in your home, then so be it. Let that be because you will benefit from this. Your kids will benefit from this. Why do I say that? Because they're already having the conversation. And if you don't think they are, you need to open your eyes. You need to open your eyes to the reality that it's all out there. Listen, I got my first download sex ed, not in the fifth grade with the reel-to-reel kind of film strip that, that I grew up under, but it was actually in the stash of Playboy magazines. Not a healthy way to start the formation of the hard drive of your heart and your mind on what it means to be sexual. And so Ron is going to come and he's going to talk about this. And, and I, listen, I, I picked Ron because I heard him one time speak on a, on a radio program. And, and I was literally driving down the road, who is this guy? I, I'm gonna, I stayed in my car. I didn't get out when I got to my destination because I wanted to hear who it was until the program was over. And I found out it was Ron Deal. And I said, Ron, when you come, I don't know where you did that. I said, I did that in a private setting in a different I said, I want you to come and I want you to do that private conversation that you did with us. I want you to do it on Sunday night. So he's going to be here next week. He's going to share about that. All that's out there. Listen, we've got to talk about this. This is a component of marriage. It's not dirty. It is beautiful when it is done in the right context. But here's what I have found in 25 years of ministry and a whole lot of marriage counseling sessions is that this topic of sexuality in the marriage is a silent, awkward frustration. It's silent because I don't really want to talk about it and it feels weird when we talk about it. I don't want, it makes her uncomfortable, makes him uncomfortable. It's a silent, awkward frustration in many, many marriages. And listen, we want to get past that. And it may mean re-hardwiring some of the, uh, some of the computer programming of our minds that has been that way and has been improperly programmed. And we want to redo it. So this week... It's really setting Ron up for next week, setting him up hopefully so that we'll, we'll jump into this topic in a much healthier way. But listen, this is not about the sexuality as much this week. This is more about handing you a box of matches. The passionate fire hopefully comes through next weekend. 
But this week is you got to have the box of matches. And we're going to talk about that. So take your Bibles and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to deal with and look at one passage, and we're going to throw in a whole lot of other uh, verses in here. But we're only in 1 Corinthians 7 whenever we're looking at a church that I would say would be very much similar to many churches across North America. Because Corinth was one wealthy area. Corinth was also one very immoral society. And in this immorality that was going on, you can read about it in chapter 6. The immorality was not only on the outside of the church, it was on the inside of the church. You again, read chapter 6. We're going to chapter 7 because what chapter 7 is, is chapter 7 is Paul rewriting the hard drive, reformatting the hard drive into the souls and the minds of the people. And so that's what we're going to try to do today as we look at chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 1 and following. Now here's one of the keys that you're going to pick up on real quickly. It's one of the killers of most marriages is you get married. I love her. She loves me. We love each other. We're going to give ourselves to the very end to each other. And then all of a sudden it goes from each other to me. You're not helping me. It becomes a very self-centered, self-seeking, self-serving kind of mentality in marriage. And that is not at all the way God intended. Let's begin reading chapter 7, verse 1. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good... For a man not to be sec- to have sexual relations with a woman, but to ha- uh, but because of the temptation of sexual immorality. Now let me just stop here. You know how many times I've said sex in, in in two in two verses there. Listen, it's not an ungodly topic. It doesn't need to be something we blush at. It needs to be something we have honest biblical conversations about. Because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give his wife her conjugal rights and likewise, emphasis on likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body. But the husband does. That sounds like it's a, some kind of mean, ruling, authoritarian kind of home. It sounds like it's, it's like the man's supposed to rule over the wife kind of thing. Notice this. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Notice the mutuality of the whole thing. It's, that's, when, that's when a relationship is beautiful, when it's mutual, not whenever it's dominating. Do not deprive one another except... Perhaps in an agreement, that's mutuality again, for a limited time, that, that, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then want, come together again so that, listen, guys and gals, Satan wants to climb into your bed. So that, purpose clause, everything that we've been talking about is here, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. When we get married at the very beginning, and maybe even prior to that, as we're beginning to think about our marriage, and then when we get married at the beginning, it seems like marriage is all about us. And then this shift happens where it becomes about me. And if we're not careful, we become clumsy and careless with this fragile, beautiful, delicate, intimate thing that God created between a man and a wife. And we then, instead of it being like, oh, I so want to satisfy him, 
we turn even mentally, emotionally, physically, and then it then becomes of, I'm not getting my needs met, and it becomes about me. When Mike's reading these scriptures in Corinthians, and I'm reading them, I like hear them from the point of view, like when I used to walk into my kids' room, I could hear them arguing, you know, down the hallway, and I'd go in the room, and I'd say, Jordan, what is going on here? Well, he hit me, and then Caleb's like, well, she pinched me, and, and then Jordan's like, well, he took my toy, and as an adult, I want to look at my kids who are being very self-centered at the moment, and I want to go stop it, and that's exactly what Paul is saying here, is he's pointing out, husbands, you're doing this, and wives, you're doing this, and then he looks at them, and he says, stop depriving one another. Adults, husbands, wives, Let us act maturely in this marriage relationship that God has given us. There's a word in verse three and four in this, in chapter seven here that you could easily overlook. And it's the word likewise. In verse three, it says the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Verse four. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body. That word likewise doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean, well, if she does, then I will. Or if he doesn't, well, then I'm not going to. Likewise means like operating at the same time as if you're both engineers in this marriage relationship that God has given you. And when you're building a bridge as an engineer, you know, you start on one side over here and then you've got this huge gap and you're somebody else over on this other side. And together, likewise, at the same time, you're engineering and you are building, doing your part so that there's harmony in this bridge building process. Paul says, look, you're separating here. You're being selfish in the way that you're acting toward each other. In Paul's words, he says, stop depriving one another of each other's needs. Selfishness doesn't end just because you get a driver's license and pimples go away and you move out of the house. Uh, Listen, it goes with us into marriage and it doesn't go away. This entire, the key to this entire message is that we've got to not be self-centered. I've got to do everything inside of me to not find pleasure for me, but to find pleasure for her and her for me. And so I've got to find, what are your needs? Where are your needs? I've got to, I've got to figure out how I can meet your needs. And there are so many different categories of needs. And, and what we've tried to do is we try to narrow it down. So, okay, this is, what is our need physically? What is our need emotionally? What is our need mentally? What is our need spiritually? How is it that when you look at all these buckets of our life, how is it, what is the greatest need here for her? What is the greatest need here for me? And now it's my mission in the marriage you know your marriage had a mission. It's my mission in a marriage to meet that need in her as a part of the marriage. So let's talk about some of these real quickly. And listen, you ought not blush over these. You ought not have sweaty palms over these. I'm the one on the stage talking about it. We're the ones on the stage talking about it, all right? And if we can handle it, you can handle it. Put on your big boy pants. Here we go, number one. Uh, women need affection, man. That's their number one physical need. Now, again, women, you may push back against it, but Lori and I have kind of compiled this and kind of worked on this, and we feel like that's the number one. Now, listen, affection is not the same thing as sex, okay? There is such thing as sexless affection. In fact, affection is the atmosphere of the relationship. 
Not just of the room, not just of the night, not just of the meal, not just of the candlelights, not just of the bedroom. It is the affection of the relationship. It is the atmosphere of the relationship. Sex is an event. All right? Now, one of the things, the problems with men is many times we want to go straight to the event and, and, and forget the atmosphere. You've got to have the atmosphere just right. This means meaningful touches. This means meaningful words. This means quality time. We talk about the five love languages, whatever, insert there. That are, those are opportunities to create affection. I remember when Lori used to tell me, I just like it when you hold my hand. You just reach over and hold my hand. I thought, is that it? I mean, just, just reach over and hold your hand? You know, I'm thinking it's got to be more complex, more expensive, things like that. Uh, not so. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2 says this. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. May he kiss me with the kisses. Notice the, the tenderness, the touch behind all that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19 says it like this. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Go all out. Spare nothing in time and words. Don't think, oh, if I say that, she'll get used to that and she'll get spoiled if I do that. No, listen, go all out. Go all out in developing an atmosphere of affection and don't take advantage of her. Now, in the amplified version of that, so husbands love your wives with an affectionate, sympathetic, selfless love. Beautiful. With a sympathetic, affectionate, and selfless. I love the story. It came out in June 2005. It's a number of years ago. Uh, Percy Aerosmith, 105. Um, his wife was 100. They're both in their century years uh, uh, in, in their age. They celebrated their 80th Wedding anniversary. Met somebody in the lobby in the last service that coming out. It was Cameron's, actually Cameron's grandparents. They've been married like 65 years. I asked them the question. I said, what's the secret sauce to 65 years of, of happily married? And they even dressed the same. They had on the same colors. And so you know they're the same. All right. And she said this. She answered. She said, we do everything together. We do everything. I love that. It's beautiful. All right, and here's what Aerosmith said. They were, they were asking, because they were the Guinness Book of World Record holders, the longest marriage and the oldest aggregate age of a married couple. They asked them the question, what are the two things that, uh, that, 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 that made your marriage last so, so, so long and, and, and so well? And one was a Sunday school teacher, one was in choir. They lived in England. And Percy, by the way, died two weeks after this interview. And this is what, this is what he said. He says, we never go to bed angry and... We kiss and hold hands every night in bed. Beautiful, beautiful. It's not expensive. It's pouring ourselves in. Guys, we need to relearn the simplicity of a touch, of meaningful words, whatever it takes to say, I love you. And women, while your physical need may be affection and it may not be sex for your husband, his greatest physical need is sexual intimacy. I'm going to do my best here to honor that subject and to also be honestly delicate at the same time. There was a scientific study um, of married men that said that married men need sex on every day that starts with T. So that's pretty easy to narrow down. So Tuesday, Thursday, today, <laughs> tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> And the reality is that your husband truly craves and desires a buffet of this type of physical intimacy from you, 
from you, but if we were to be incredibly honest with each other, we would probably say that we give him like the slim fast can version, maybe every now and then, but who's counting? He is. I had a woman say one time, and when she said it, I thought, there is truth to that. She said, the one who says no the most in bed holds the most power. And women, you need to begin to understand that when you say no to you, it's like you're thinking, I'm saying no to the act of sexual intimacy. But what he's hearing from you is that you are rejecting him, like his whole being, everything. He's, as if you are not just saying no, to, not just saying no to sex, you're saying no to your husband. This physical intimacy is like intricately wired in him. God has designed it this way so that when this physical intimacy happens, he is then like cemented to you. And because he's cemented to you, then he is then drawn in emotionally and mentally and spiritually intimate with you because of the physical intimacy that occurs. Song of Solomon 710 says this, I am my beloved's. And his desire, his craving, his yearning, it's for me. And here's the thing is I don't think, and men, you need to understand this about your wife too, that I don't think that women are like manipulatively or most women are not manipulatively withholding this from their husbands. But instead, we don't understand in totality what is really going on here. And for me, there was a few shifts as I'm thinking it through What has to take place in our thinking as women in order to begin to understand and meet this need in him? And the first thing is, is that you need to know that you may never completely understand his brain and what he's thinking about this. Yep. That was not a good place to say like, concur. (laughs) But here's the reality. God has created and wired him in a sovereign fashion this way. And because it's his brain and you're not wired that way, you will never completely know what he's thinking. But as his wife, it is part of who you are to begin to search out to understand him and what his need. Paul even described this in a man, this, this passionate burning within Okay, that is what is taking place within him. Here's another thing that I think that we have to begin to change our thinking in. And that is this place that I think that Satan and society has hijacked in our thinking. We walk past the magazine racks or quite honestly, I get furious when I see a Victoria's Secret commercial that comes on TV for for various reasons. But here's what we do, women. We look at these images and then we compare ourselves and we think, well... I don't look like that. And that's what's portrayed as beautiful. So therefore I'm not beautiful. And yet your husband desires you. USA Today did a study with men of what first attracted them to a woman. 35% of them said first it was her eyes. 25% of them then said it was her smile. And then 14% said it was then her body. Your husband craves you. And we've got to begin to change our mind about this. And here's, here's a third area. I know that we've got to change our mind and our, and our thinking. In. And it's this, that at the end of the day, all these physical duties that you've been involved in, physically clothing everyone, physically feeding everyone, physically cooking for everyone, physically cleaning up everyone. And when you crawl in bed, you think you've got another physical duty that you've got to do. But I can tell you this, your husband is not thinking at all that he wants some physical performance from you. 
He's thinking, I want to connect with you, and this is how he craves to do it. And it can be an emotional exchange at the end of the day, physically. You can have this physical intimacy exchange at the end of the day. It can be fun and relaxing. It can even be worshipful. Your husband craves this. It is your job, women, to begin to rearrange your thinking concerning this need that he has and find out what sexually intoxicates your husband. Loving each other physically is one, but we also need to love each other emotionally. And that's, this is one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to be able to communicate. I've got to be able to communicate to my wife that she is valued, that she is absolutely the most important person on the planet and that I jump whenever her texts go. And I jump whenever Amen. I see her. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. Turn uh, about fair play. Uh, I don't ignore her calls so I can take someone else's call. She is absolutely, there's, she is the queen of the universe. And she needs to know that. And the thing is, guys, we have a cheat sheet. We have a model. We have, a, we have in Jesus a great example of, a, a, of the person who came. And lived and died and said, listen, guys, through Paul, he said, listen, I want you to love your wives like Christ loved the church. You don't know how to love them. You don't know how to value them. Give everything you have. Offer it all up to them. Meaningful conversations is one of those ways. Meaningful times and meaningful conversations where you're sharing stories and life together. Uh, this is the way it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 about cherishing. He says, For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church. So if I'm going to love Lori the way Christ loved the church, then I've got to cherish her. I've got to cherish the moments. I've got to cherish her as an individual. Meaningful conversations is one of those ways. Focused attention. Guys, no multitasking. Eyeball to eyeball contact. Giving her 100% of yourself in that moment that you're there, not being other places. Giving affirming words. That's, one of, that's Lori's love language. That's one of those things that's not my love language. And so it's really hard. I had to train myself to become bilingual to give her the affirmation she needs. Let me tell you of, of an incident that just happened this week, and you can put big jerk across my head whenever you hear the story. So uh, uh, we were on kind of di- different eating schedules, this, this, this meal in particular. And so um, uh, I had heated up my meal, and I was, she was talking to me, kind of downloading the day, and and I kind of had my plate of food, and I was inching. I want to go. It was a nice sunny day. I wanted to inch, sit on the back patio and sit down and eat. And, and I'm, I'm talking, and she's talking. And, and I'm listening, and yeah, okay, really good. And, and it's like I'm ready to make, I think she's going to breathe. And so, and, 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 and she drew a breath. And I said, hey, I'm going to go out here and sit on the back patio. Good talking. And went outside, sat on. I wasn't there for two minutes. Two seconds, actually. And I realized, oh, my gosh. So I went back in, and, hey, guys, this is how you get out of it. I was cold outside. You know, I need to come back inside. It's, it's kind of cold. <laughs> Sunny day outside. It's cold. Um, in all reality, it's like uh, you were saying. That's where I started the conversation. I'm sorry. And so realizing that she's more important than, than my pleasures or my desires or my want-tos or my agenda or anything else, she is absolutely the most important person in my life. Women, the greatest emotional need... By the way, I'm really glad that you came back to your senses on it that. Was, it so, was great. Great conversation, too. Yeah, it was, right. <laughs> you, what was it about? I don't remember. That's what I thought. <laughs> it was really important, though. I'm sure it was. 
Women, your greatest, or your man's great, your husband's greatest emotional need is that you admire him. Or you could put in parentheses that you honor and respect him. When you started dating your husband, when you were first like going out and so forth, he was like incredibly honored that you had picked him. You had chosen him out of all the guys on the campus, out of all the men at the office, out of all the people in your town. He was honored that you had chosen him. And he knew just by looking at your face or listening to the tone and the words that were coming out of your mouth that you astonishingly approved of him, that he was this perfect guy. And then we get married and Knight we try... Shining armor, maybe? Exactly. Superman. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some others that would make you yeah. feel really... Okay. okay. And so here we are, and then we get married, and this perfect guy that we now get, we're now trying to perfect. And instead of it sounding like we're honoring him, it can begin to become across like nagging or the, the facial expressions even begin to change when he walks into the house. There was a bus driver who was talking about his job one day, how people would come in and they would smile at him and they would speak really friendly because he was picking them up from work and they were getting ready to go home. So they were, ta- they were, you know, they were really excited that it was the end of the day and they were getting ready to go, you know, where they wanted to be and relax and so forth. And he said this, he said, I wish that there was a video camera on the bus And it would record people's facial expressions and it would record their words. And I could play it for my husband, for my wife when I got home so that she would know this is what I would like for her to sound like and the way that I would like for her to look at me when I walk into the door. Your husband still wants to be honored and admired and respected by you. Your words can either be your greatest weapon or your greatest tool in doing this. Proverbs 27, 15 through 16 says, A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands. That last one, it just makes me crack up. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that is impossible to do. You remember the Pac-Man arcade game, you know, that you used to play? And you hear like, wah, 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 See, it's annoying, right? Your husband wants to hear words out of your mouth that then become your greatest tool. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage one another and build one another up. You have an opportunity, wives, to be an instrument used by God to encourage and affirm and build up what God is doing inside your man, inside your husband. Most men think this, though. Most men think and believe that their wife is far more unhappy with them than they actually are with their wife. So you want to do a test? Go home and ask your husband, do you think that I'm pleased with you? And then sit back and listen to what he has to say. Because women truly, without it sounding cheesy at all, because this is our love relationship, you ought to be, I want to be Mike's greatest fan. You know, when you talk about emotional, we talk about mental. So what is it that I want to play in Lori's mind again and again and again? The mental message that I want her to hear is this. Mike is committed to me. 
Women need to know that you are absolutely committed to them. Proverbs 5.15 says simply, be faithful to your wife. Be faithful to your wife. Be trusting to your wife. Be sold out to your wife. Be loyal to your wife. May, may there not be any questions in her mind, in her soul, of where your absolute commitment is. You know, I say that all the time. No, 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 no. Do you demonstrate it? Do you demonstrate it? Every day, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you. You're, you're my number one commitment in life versus all the other bings, dings, whistles that come at you. You're the number one thing in my life. Share the load in the home. Whatever's in the home, whatever's going on, share the load. Uh, a little phrase like this is uh, something I picked up a long time ago, and I've shared it a lot with people uh, in, in marriage counseling situations, is after five is the work equal. Sometimes the complaint comes in, it's like, I do all the work, I, I do all the work, I do all the work, I bring home the money. You, just start, you start wanting one-upping each other. Again, they go back to First Corinthians chapter 7, quit one-upping each other and do everything you can to serve the other person. And so, again, do what you can. Otherwise, men, listen to Ecclesiastes ten eighteen. If a man's lazy, the rafters sag, the hands are idle, the house leaks. Listen, take your part, play your part in the game. Share the load of raising the kids. Uh, when I say about that, it's like it's real easy to kind of keep putting that off on mom, keep putting that off on mom, keep, and the kids get older, keep putting it off on mom. Listen, guys, you need to step in. And, and I will say this, I think when the children are the youngest, they get most of their nurturing from mom, all right? But when they get older, this goes for boys and girls, okay? They need the dad in a big-time way. They're dealing with a lot of temptation. And if dad wasn't engaged for the first 12 years, guess what? He's not going to naturally be engaged. So dads, turn on, get engaged, and make a difference. Women, your husband's greatest mental need is camaraderie. Or you might even say companionship. And what this is, it means that not only do you love him, but you like him. When Mike and I first started dating, we didn't say I love you for the longest time. We were kind of romantic geeks. You and loved me first, though. I Actually, that's true. I'm I glad know. you own it. So, so, But what we would say is we would say, and actually Mike started this. He would start saying, I like you. And so when we, I mean, like literally at the beginning when we first started like, you know, eyeing each other and passing notes to each other, which was like, that's what we did in the old days instead of texting. You know, we'd pass these notes in front of each other. You know, I went to the car one day and there was this note on my car and I have it right here. Yeah, I know. And she like, kept oh, all of mine. I did. He burned mine after I dumped him. Yeah, that's right. Um, he's still in. True. It is true. <laughs> but I came back to my senses, obviously. Okay, but here we go. It says, it's, it's not even deep. It's profound. Uh-huh. It says, I saw your car here, so I thought I would write you a short note, obviously saying, I like you. I'm so romantic. But, but the, and you're kind of blushing. Does that embarrass yeah, you? Yeah, no, I'm fine. I was a nerd. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, I mean, the women would be like, but that was, I was like, yes, I'll marry you, you know. And then, of course, the preacher thing at the end, to God be to the God glory. To God be the glory. And then the triangle, you know, the Bible closer we verses. grow to God, the closer we're going to grow to This is what together. happens when you date a preacher. I mean, you're, you're going to get Bible verses thrown at you. But the thing is, is, is this kind of began and, and we liked each other and it grew into this love and, and we end up getting married and you think love is the pinnacle of it, of it all. But then we kind of like, I don't think it is. 
I think like liking each other is the fertilizer in your relationship. So we get married and then we kind of begin to do our own things now that we've got each other, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's like doing school and and studying and doing church. And now we've got two preschoolers and so forth. And so I'm busy here and he's busy there. So then because he was too busy for me, then I'd go off with my friends, but then he'd want to talk, but I'd already talked to my friends, you know? And so here we were, and now we weren't companions any longer. We're now coexisting where we're living together, doing ministry together, parenting together, sleeping together, under the same roof together, and yet nothing in our life had an overlapping interest. And then we moved to Zambia, Africa. All our friends are gone. All the needs, you know, that were pulling at us, people that we would talk to, people that I would emote with, people I'd cry with, people I'd pray with, were now no longer there, and I had him. And so the first time in my life, I learned to look again at my husband and like him and like what he liked and take interest in what he's interested in. Your husband wants you to be interested in those things that interest him. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says this, live happily with the woman that you love. And then wives, this is not your described. The wife God gives you is your best reward. So be his best reward. If you were to make a list of your top three friends, would your husband make that list? Do things together. You are companions. You are just one of an entire set here. To love each other, I hope you're seeing in this this talk, to love each other means to love each other in every sense. Every sense of who you are, your body, your mind, your emotions, but also your spirit. We need to spiritually be leaders, men. Spiritually lead well. Lead well as in lead like Christ leads. Okay, leadership is not dictatorship. Don't take it like that. Men, you need to be the spiritual leaders in your home. You need the leaders in your home. And what does that mean by being a, a leader in the home? I say it's like this. It's adding the momentum. It's adding the energy. It's adding that necessary role model to set the pace for spiritual growth in the home. And I'll tell you right now, men across the board that I talk to struggle in this area. They're intimidated. Their wives are in this Bible study, in that Bible study. They serve over here. And it's like, I don't even open my Bible. I look at spreadsheets all day. So men, your women, the lady in your life, your wife, I would have to believe she wants you to be a spiritual leader. Set some course in there. Initiate prayer in the home. Initiate coming to church. Hey, we're going to go to church. Nothing else. The sports team's not going to. No, no, no. We're going to make this a priority. Whatever it is in your home, make it an absolute priority. If the men are the first ones to receive Christ in a home, 93% chance the rest of the family will follow right behind the man. So men, consider your own faith. And the thing is, is about this, men, I want, I want you to hear this because when I'm talking with women and they're ta- they're, we're talking about marriage and so forth, this is actually one of the number one things I hear from women. I really want my husband to lead out spiritually in our home, but he doesn't. So then what am I supposed to do? That is the number one thing that women will say to me about their marriage. But women, what do you do? What is it that your husband needs spiritually? He needs spiritual encouragement. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is about David and Jonathan and and these two guys who were soul-knit friends. 
Now, Jonathan was the, the son of the king. And so for right, by rightful heir, he should have been made leader, right? But David became the appointed leader over the nation of Israel. And it wasn't because Jonathan wasn't a leader. It wasn't because he wasn't capable of leading an army or because he hadn't defeated people or because he hadn't trained all these other guys. He was perfectly capable of doing so, but David was the appointed leader. When David was going through an overwhelming hard time, Saul's after him trying to kill him. In 1 Samuel 23, 16, it says that Jonathan went to David and encouraged him in God. Women, you do the exact same thing with your husband. A few months ago when Mike was just completely overwhelmed, everything seemed heavy on him, heavy on his shoulders, and I knew it. And I just, I just asked him, I said, honey, what is it that you need from me? And the very first thing that came out of his mouth actually shocked me. He said, I need you to initiate praying right now. Because my heart is so heavy, I can't even find the words to begin. I need you to initiate this in our relationship together. Mandarin Chinese is written in, in, in picture form, as you know. And so when you take the, the Mandarin word for man, you draw it a certain way, and you take the Mandarin word for woman and you draw it a certain way. It's ironic that whenever you take those two and you put them together, that word, when you put man and woman together, it means good. When you look at your relationship, Do you say it's good? When God created man, he said, it's not good. He needed a woman, and then it was good. There's something beautiful that happens in a marriage that is built by our good, good father. It becomes a good marriage. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I know I'm speaking to people, and there's singles in the room. There's people who who are maybe estranged from their their loved one right now, and they can't put the pieces back together. And I can tell you this right now. If you're estranged right now and there's things that are wrong, you can't be the sole fixer. So stop it. Encourage yourself that you're making effort right now to do it, but you will not fix what you don't have, what you don't own. But you can fix you, and you can say, Good, good Father, I'm giving all of myself to you. I want you to be all in me and me all in you. Lord, I give myself to you. Maybe that's what your prayer is today. I can't fix the other person, but Lord, would you fix me? Maybe some are, again, in this room and you're happily married. Or maybe you're just married. Coexisting. I encourage you to seek God right now for that renewed, passionate marriage that will set a fire of intimacy in your home like never before. Those of you who are single, I know some are single and content, but others are single and looking. I want to pray for you now that God would provide for you the person that he would have in the hour that he would want them. Father God, I bow before you and We recognize that you are a good, good Father. And that you did a good work when you brought man and woman, Adam and Eve, our mother and our father together. Through the generations, you've been bringing men and women together 
And you tell us in the New Testament what God has joined together. Let no man tear apart. Lord, we want you and the lives of the singles in this room right now. Lord, if you've given them in their heart to be married, then Lord, I pray you would provide for them that person. And Lord, for those who are broken apart in their relationships right now, hurting because of the loss of someone away from them, estranged, separated, divorced even, Lord, whatever brokenness is there, Lord, I pray that they will not take the shame of that. But Lord, that they will be strong in you, whole in you. And through that wholeness, Lord, you will give them a beautiful future and beautiful relationships. And Lord, I pray for the marriages in this room that are just struggling with mediocrity. Lord, would you set a new passion, intimacy, connecting with each other today and this week. Lord, we love you. Thank you for being a good, good father.